Okay, good morning everyone. Good to see you all. If you have a Bible, please, could you go to Mark chapter 4? Mark chapter 4, we are going to be getting into that chapter momentarily, reading some of God's Word and then looking at what it says to us. Now, I don't know about you, let me tell you about some of my um, medical history. When I was young uh, and I was small, I had what they called a glue ear, which is a common... Uh, thing with children that affects your hearing because of the, the tubes aren't very big and they get kind of gummed up and so you're not, you're not as, as sharp on your hearing as you could be. And what that meant for me is I had to sit near the teacher in class so I could hear a little better but also I had grommets in my ear. Do you know about grommets? Grommets are these things they put in your ears to help expand the, um, the ear canal so you can hear better. And I remember having to go and have them put in. I, what I remember more vividly is when they came out. Because I remember going to the doctor's somewhere, got taken, and the doctor looked in my ears with their little thing, and that's all very familiar. And then he, put, he had these, um, what I only describe as scissors that had a funny hooked ending. And he put them in my ear, and next thing I know, he pulled something out, and he showed it to me, and it freaked the heck out of me. Because like, what is that? Is that my brain you've just taken out? What, what's going on? It was this little thing, it looked like a little kind of cotton reel with something attached to it, but that was the grommet had come out. And the point was, I had grown up, I'd got a little bit older, my ears had got a little bit bigger, and it wasn't needed anymore. I could hear better as a result, and my hearing has been okay ever since. Others might say my hearing is still selective. I think it's fine, but... Ask those around me uh, what they think. But the point is, I grew out of them and my hearing got better. And what we're going to be looking at today as we get into this passage, we're going to be looking all about hearing and the importance of hearing what is being said, particularly by Jesus. And what God has been saying to us as a church is that we need to grow up. And in growing up, we need to make sure that we are hearing correctly. It's not just noise, but it's something that we are listening to and we are taking in and we are responding um, to as a result. And so the section we're going to look at today, beginning of Mark chapter 4, is following on from what we did last time, uh, looking at this theme of insiders and outsiders that Mark has in his gospel. And Jesus is proclaiming the kingdom, and now we're going to be looking at part of that. So I've got some people who are going to read. The passage will appear up on the screen. And so... When you are ready, off you go. Brilliant, thank you. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat, it, sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up. Since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold 
and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has no ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And then he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. Where they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky grounds, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately received it with joy. And they have not root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the des desires for other things enter in the choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamb brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed or not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let, them, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all, the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Okay, thank you very much for that. Thank you for those who read. Okay, big idea for this morning. To be part of the kingdom of God, we have to both hear Jesus and respond in faith. Now, in the Gospel of Mark, 
We've been going through it as a church. If you want to catch up on any of it, you can. It's online. There are only two chapters in the whole gospel that depart from the narrative format. Mainly, it's a storytelling of Jesus, of how he goes through his life, his death, his resurrection. There are two chapters. Chapter 4 is one. The other one is chapter 13. And so we're now in chapter 4 where it's a slightly different style this section to the rest of Mark up to it and the bits after it until we hit chapter 13. And here we've got a focus on Jesus telling parables. Now a parable is a story that contains a spiritual truth. We looked at, this time last year we actually did a sermon series on the parables and looked at them. So if you want to go and review that, they're on our website, you can have a look at that. They are little stories with a big idea. They are stories that are easily understood by ordinary everyday people, they um, are kind of often have common uh, things that the people of the time would have known about, sowing and farming um, uh, and the like, something very accessible to everybody. Uh, Mark, uh, Matthew, Mark and Luke contain about 60 parables in total with all these images. They are easily remembered, but not necessarily easily understood. They are designed to, to proclaim um, the mystery of God, But also they are designed to conceal it from those who are not interested. So they reveal it to those who are seeking and they conceal it from those who are hard-hearted and not interesting. It actually separates insiders from outsiders, which is the theme that Mark has over these last couple of chapters we've looked at. In this passage, there are four parables. There's the parable of the sower, the parable of the lamp, the parable of the growing seed, and the parable of the mustard seed. And they all talk about the kingdom of God, which is what Jesus has been proclaiming since chapter 1. We've looked at that, and this is just a continuation of that. So we're going to go through this passage. We're going to look at a few things. We're going to look at the kingdom of God is a mystery that needs to be heard. It is the, uh, something hidden that needs to be revealed and something that grows from insignificance to the incredible. First thing, the kingdom of God is a mystery that needs to be heard. What we've got here in this first part of the chapter, verses 1 to 20, we have another sandwich from Mark. If you were here last time, we looked at the last passage in Mark. We saw that a literary device Mark uses, he uses a sandwich where he uses a story. He splits it in half and in the middle of the story, he inserts something which gives you understanding to the story as a whole. And what we've got here is we've got the parable of the sower, and in the middle, there's a short section where it explains the purpose of parables, and then after that, there's an explanation of the parable. So there's another sandwich in Mark that we're coming to. The context, first one, if you're following along, is that Jesus, again, uh, began to teach beside the sea. This is a common theme we've seen in Mark, the Sea of Galilee. He's there. We've come up chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. And the crowds gather. And we've seen already in Mark that the crowds can be an obstacle to his teaching. They seem to get in the way, but they can also provide an opportunity. So Jesus says he gets out into a boat and he speaks to them from the boat. And um, historians tell us that there are areas around the Sea of Galilee that create natural amphitheaters. So someone who goes out in the boat could still speak and be heard by a great number of people. Jesus then tells the parable, the parable of the sower. And this is the first time in Mark where more than just like a short sentence has been written down about Jesus' teaching. Up till now, we've seen a lot of what Jesus has done, but he's only, he's only said like one line at a time, the kingdom of God is here, repent, believe the good news, that's kind of it. We've now got longer periods of teaching. If you've got a flash Bible, uh, there's a lot more in red in this section than we've had thus far because Jesus is speaking. The parable, verses 2 to 9, begin and end with the same call. To listen, to hear. There's our theme for this morning, listening and hearing. 
And that is, if you go through this whole section, I highlight it. When I start doing my prep, I highlight and write on it, try to work things out. It comes up so many times through it. It's a practice. Go away and look it up. If you've got the Bible journal, mark every time. It's a reference to listening and hearing through this section. And Jesus is telling his listeners here is to listen to try and understand what he is saying to them. And he tells a story of a sower, a very common image for them, sowing seed. He's scattering it around to try and get a crop out of it. And he plants, he says, the, ski, uh, the soil, uh, seed lands on different types of soil, which would have been common to them at the time. There's pathways and there's rocky ground and there's the thorns, but there's also good soil. Um, which, if you think about that, that's not great odds because three quarters of them are bad. <laughs> that's not where you want your seed. One quarter is good. That's the good soil. And so most of it, you think, well, that's not going to work because it's going to land on soil that doesn't work. But the one quarter, it says at the end of the parable, turns into an incredible harvest. 30, 60, 100 fold what began. So even for those that reception that good soil, there is a massive response to it. And what we've got here is a sign of the kingdom coming. When you have to talk about harvest, we know that means that the kingdom is breaking in. It's a common biblical imagery. And this parable represents the breaking in of God's kingdom. The gospel is going out. It is being sown. And up till now in Mark, who is the sower? Who is the one proclaiming the gospel? Jesus. So Jesus is the sower. He's the one going out. He is proclaiming the message far and wide. He's been on preaching tours around villages, around the area. He's gone out. He's, he's doing the stuff of the kingdom. He's driven out demons. He's healed the sick. The message of the kingdom is going far and wide, but it is hitting different kinds of soil, different kinds of response, and most of it seems negative. But where there is a positive response, the response is overwhelming and the harvest is beyond measure. 30, 60, a hundredfold return. And then he says at the end, the response for those, he said at the beginning you're to listen. And he says at the end of the parable, verse 9, those who have ears to hear, let him hear. The response of the hearers of the message of the kingdom of God is to hear well to respond positively to it, to make some kind of active response to it. It's not a passive thing, it is an active thing. And those who respond to the message of Jesus will reap a harvest, a huge harvest, an unbelievable harvest. 30, 60, 100 fold is an incredible return on your investment from sowing those seeds. And so Jesus is the sower. He is the one who's gone out to proclaim the word and he is looking for a response to bring a harvest. Then we move on to the key um, of this, um, this sort of section, the key to parables, verses 10 to 13. And it moves on. It suddenly it breaks. It says, he was then alone. And it says, there were those around him with the 12. They asked about the parables. And what we've got here is we've got two groups of people. Jesus talks about you and he talks about those. You and those. And each one receives a different kind of teaching. The you is the 12 who we've seen appointed, I think it was the beginning of the previous chapter. But there are also those who've responded to Jesus and come into it. And he says, to you, those who've responded, they receive the secret of the kingdom. You might say mystery in your translation. But there is this thing that they receive. And what that refers to is a divine revelation. It's not a Scooby-Doo episode where they've got to work out 
who the villain is who's terrifying the town, and there's the big reveal at the end. It's not based on human ingenuity, but divine revelation. And so when we read about a mystery, a secret in the Bible, that's what it is. It's not something that you work out. It's something that is given to you by God, by the grace of God. And he says, to you has been given that secret, that mystery, that revelation. What is that revelation? Well, that revelation is who the sower is, who Jesus is. Because we know who Jesus is because we're reading it. We've read Mark chapter 1. We saw what happened. We saw the voice of the Father come and say, this is my Son, we saw the Spirit fall on him. We've seen what he's been doing. Healing the sick, forgiving sins. He is God come to earth. And he's saying to you, you've been given the secret. You've been given. You see the mystery. You see who I am. The sower sowing the seed. But by contrast, there is those outsiders. The insiders, the outsiders. Those outsiders. They have ears, but they don't hear. They don't hear. They don't get it they either hear casually or carelessly and we've seen people like that we've seen the scribes and we've seen the pharisees and at some point we've seen the crowds they come and they just don't get it they just don't get it they're not sure who it is and Jesus is saying those who hear bear fruit those who hear reap a harvest those who hear gain from this but those who don't are outside those ones who don't they are pushed away and you have insiders and outsiders and the interesting thing is insiders can become outsiders but outsiders can also become insiders and so it all depends on how you hear we'll see later in the next chapter we'll see the demonized man legion who was an outsider an outcast yet he comes he meets Jesus and he suddenly becomes an insider because he responds to who Jesus is we find the woman with the issue of blood we find the Gentile centurion right at Mark chapter 15 who is a total outsider, foreigner, evading army, and yet he sees Jesus die on a cross and he says, surely this was the Son of God. But at the same time, insiders can become outsiders. We've seen that already. Mark chapter 3, Jesus appoints the 12 and who's the last? Judas, who would betray him. The insider becomes the outsider. And it all depends on how you hear and how you respond to Jesus. And he's saying, when you listen to me, when you hear my word, as I proclaim the message of the kingdom of God, it's all about how you hear. And then it's a quote from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 to 11, that kind of brings this together. And basically, what parables do, what Jesus' teaching does, is it confirms the states of people's hearts. People who are opposed to Jesus, people who are hard-hearted, they are just confirmed in that because they hear it and they reject it and thus become more hardened. But those who are soft and open to Jesus hear the message of Jesus and respond to Jesus and they put their faith and trust in him. Those who are not interested in the secret are further blinded and those who are interested in the mystery of the kingdom of God have revelation and come to him. And then we get to the, the final section Verses 14 to 20, which is the explanation of the parable. And so he returns to what he began a few verses before. This is the kind of the final part of the sandwich, if you will. And he gives the instruction. What happens when the sower goes out? Well, he sows the word. I think the word comes up something like, is it eight times in this passage? Count them up. And the word hearing comes up three times. So again, it's about hearing. It's about Jesus proclaiming 
the Word of God. And what we find in there, I had to do some study on this, read a few commentaries, but hearing comes four times in that passage, how they hear, the ones who hear on the rocky soil, they hear, and then the ones who hear on the thorny ground and the stony path, they hear, and then the final one that lands on the good soil, they also hear. But there's interesting, in the original languages, there's different tenses to the hearing. The first three are the same, the fourth one's different. The first, the first three are a past tense, they heard, and it ended. The final fourth one is they heard, and it's an ongoing present tense. So they heard the word, and they responded. And they responded actively and continually. And so the first three, it says that the things of the world came in crowded out, whether it was difficulty or the enemy came in or the worldly desires and things that the good things of the world that we make God things, they come in and the hearing just stopped. But those where it landed on good soil, present active tense, it says they heard and they kept going and they kept pursuing and they kept listening, which is what we've read in Mark so far is the sign of a disciple. Someone who wants to be with Jesus, who wants to go after Jesus. And as a result, there is a miraculous response to what God is doing in their lives. Because what we found in the first half of the parable, it's about Jesus sowing the word. The second half of the parable there, it's about what the hearers do with what Jesus has said and how they respond. And for those who hear and respond, there is an incredible harvest. But for those who don't, they are on the outside. They don't listen. They harden their hearts. The things of this world either overwhelm them with their goodness or overwhelm them with their difficulty and they just fall away and they're not interested. And so for us to learn from the parable of the sower, it's all about Jesus. It's all about what he proclaims, what he says. And we as listeners, as hearers, need to hear, respond uh, positively. And as we do, there will be a great harvest amongst us. So that's the first one. Second one, the kingdom is hidden to be revealed, verses 21 to 25. It now carries on. Mark inserts some other parables that Jesus would have taught. And the first one is um, about the lamp. And it says, is a lamp to be, put, uh, to be brought and put in under a basket? Implied answer is no. Or under a bed? Implied answer is no. But not on a stand? The implied answer is Yeah. That's where you put a lamp. When you bring it in the house, you put it on the stand so it's high and lifted up. Why? Because then the light can travel the furthest and it can illuminate the most and things will be revealed and it's useful. That's what one does with a lamp. It doesn't put them in other places. And so the image of a lamp, if we go back into our Old Testament, we find this is an image of the presence of God because there were lamps in the tabernacle, there were lamps in the temple of God's presence. And so when the presence of God comes, into the situation, you don't hide it, you don't stick it under a lamp, you don't push it out of the way where you can't see it, you put it up where it's as big and high and bright as it can possibly be and can be seen by everyone, you want to do it and Jesus is the lamp, he's the light, he's the one who comes in, there's even a gospel that says that, what did Jesus say, I am the light, oh yeah that's right, you're that one and so when he's around you put him in the priority place, you put him up above everything else. He's the one high and lifted up. He's the one you want everyone to see. You don't hide him out of the way. You don't put him to the side. Well, hopefully no one notices he's here. Only bring him out on Sunday between 10.30 and 12.15 because that's when he fits with my diary. No, he's the one to be lifted up high and above everything. 
And again, what does it say there at the end of what, verse 23? If anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. Man, Mark is really ramming this theme down our throats today, isn't it? We are to be hearers of what's said. And he says, again, he says, pay attention to what you hear. Then he, he quotes, kind of, I think it's the, the scholars believe it's like a Jewish idiom. He says, for the measure you use will be measured to you, and still more will to be added to you. For to, for to the one who has, more will be given, and for the one who has not, what he has will be taken away. And what he's basically saying is, those who hear, it's again, it's similar to the, the harvest we've just read about. Those who hear, they get more. Those who press in get more. Those who respond with an active, ongoing hearing to what Jesus is saying to them and obedience to him and following to him, they get more. They get a 30, 60, 100-fold return on what little there is. And so Jesus is saying those who have will be given even more. But those who reject, those who are hard-hearted and push back and say, no, we will not listen to what God said, what even they have is taken away which is an image of impending judgment. And so you've got on one side, actually, what are you going to take? Um, blessing that will lead ultimately to eternal life or one that will ultimately lead to judgment. That's what the parable is telling us to do. What is hidden is going to be revealed. And this is ultimately summed up for us in the life of Jesus Christ. How did he come? We're going to celebrate it in a few weeks. Completely hidden to a backwater town as a baby in a stable. You know, no one noticed. The world just carried on. Even when he started his public ministry that we read in Mark, it was in obscurity and it was in the, the, the funny part of the empire, in the backwater bit, way up north where the hicks are. That's where he was. He was hidden. Even in his death, it was hidden. And only through his resurrection and what we see now do we see the glory fully revealed. Who he is. Who he really is. The risen saviour. That is what it's about. Let's go on. Number three. The kingdom moves from insignificant to incredible. Uh, two parables that kind of finish um, this chapter. And um, they're both about seeds again. Obviously very common from the time in agricultural um, society that they were. And so what we've got too is the first parable talks about the process of growth, while the second is on the contrast between the small beginnings and the great results. And the first one we see is imperceptible growth. It says that the seed is sown in the ground, scattered on the ground, and it says that you rise night and day, and that basically means life goes on. And as life goes on, slowly the seed grows. The earth produces. It's got the blade and then the ear and then the full grain of the ear. If you ever try to watch something grow, what do you notice? Nothing's happening. You just stare at it. Nothing's happening. And then suddenly, although it appears suddenly, you turn around like, what happened? It's got bigger, it's grown, it's sprouted. I find this, I'm not particularly a gardener, I don't do that, but I, I have children. And I don't know what happened, but I turned around and they're suddenly huge. They were baby, I could carry them, and now they're massive. It, it's like they got up one day, walked, in, walked out their bedroom, and it was like, huh, who are you? What did you do with my son? He was like this big, and I could carry him around, and he was kind of cute. And you're just arms and legs and... Still cute, yeah, obviously. But the point is growth can be imperceptible. 
And what Jesus is saying, when the kingdom of God comes, the growth can be imperceptible, but it is growing. It is happening. Jesus is out there as a sower scattering the word, and he said, actually, it goes into the ground, and it is growing. It is growing. You may not see it. When you plant seeds, where does most of the activity happen at the beginning? Underground. Roots. You ever have to do that thing that's like science, GCSE science, where you had to draw the pictures of a bean growing? Oh, biology was thrilling. It really was. And you had to have it, and you could see the thing of it. It came down, and only eventually, eventually, like in the sixth picture, did the sprout come above the ground, and you could see it. But all the time beforehand, the bean was growing, and bits were coming out of it. It was all very exciting. Um, but the point is, it is growing. And what happens at the end, there is still going to be a harvest. There's that theme coming through again. Jesus' kingdom will grow and there will be a harvest. Even if you don't see the kingdom growing, even if you're working at something and praying at something, what's happening there, Lord? He's at work. It's growing. It's moving. And eventually it will come. And the second parable there, the parable of the mustard, he tells us it will be significant growth. It might be imperceptible at times. You might not see it all. But the final one tells you it will, be in, it will be significant. It will, in fact, be incredible. Jesus uses the image of the mustard seed, which is uh, the tiniest of seeds. It says it's one of the smallest ones. It's like, if you've ever seen it, it's like a dot in your hand. It's minuscule. Yet, you put it in the ground, and it grows a great shrub, massive, great big bush, huge thing that grows, so much so that the birds can nest in it. So from something that's like a pinhead, tiny, you get this great big thing. For us in the UK, the, the, I guess the equivalent for us would be what? An acorn. They're a little bit bigger. But when you see oak trees, English oaks, they are colossal. And when you think about how one got to the other, they are quite literally millions of times bigger. And they are vast. And what was something that was so small is something that can grow so very, very big. And so what Jesus is saying is the kingdom of God, even though it might have small, humble beginnings, it might be tiny, guess what? It's going to grow. It's going to grow and grow and grow and be massive. We think about what we read in our Bibles. How did the church begin? In an upper room. They said 120-ish. And then through that, fast forward a generation and what happened? We find the gospel had gone all the way to Rome, the center of the empire. Add another generation, you finally got a Christian in power, and suddenly the the world knows about the good news of Jesus. The church has grown and multiplied across generations, across centuries, across continents, and we have a worldwide church proclaiming the kingdom of God from a tiny, humble beginning in a country in the Middle East, and suddenly it's worldwide. And even in our nation that has a great history of the church, it's still quite small and insignificant, but there are places in the world where the gospel is just blowing up, where hundreds, thousands are coming to know Jesus for themselves. And so what is small can grow and grow and grow by the grace of God. And we saw heard last week, what did Melanie talk about last week? What did we find at the end? There's a crowd, right? It's a great crowd. Where's the crowd from? Every tribe and people and language and nation. And what are they all doing? Worshipping the Lamb on the throne. The kingdom of God 
may look significant, insignificant at times. It may look small. It may look weak. It may look like nothing's happening. But what's going to happen if the word is being proclaimed, if it is being sowed out, if Jesus is being lifted up as the lamp and everyone can see him, it will grow and it will grow from the tiny to the incredible, the huge, the mighty. And one day there will be a nation before God from all peoples worshipping him forever. That's good news, amen? And we go to the end, verses 33 and 34, kind of the conclusion. It says, with many parables, he spoke to the word of them as they were able to hear. He did not speak to them without a parable, privately to his own disciples, explain them. And so it just takes us back to what these parables are about. They were there to be presented to the people to see who was interested in the kingdom, who would press in, who would reject. And all through Mark, we're going to find it again and again, those reject the kingdom. But all through Mark, we'll find those as well who respond to the kingdom we respond to the message and they come in and we even finish at the end with another mention of hearing in this passage and so it's all about hearing and so as we kind of wind this up land this down I've got one question for you today are you hearing are you hearing are you listening are you taking on board what has been proclaim to you not just today but week in week out in this church or other churches you may be a part of are you listening when I was a primary school teacher one of the things we used to do with the kids was we'd do a call and response just to try and get their attention because when you're managing 30 um, children you need a way of getting their attention because you might need to communicate something and so what I would do one of these things that I picked up along the way was I would say to them are you listening and I'll do the clap at the same time, and they would respond. Oh, you know it. Should we try that then? Are we listening? Thank you. Yes, you are. And I did this once, and I was a supply teacher, and I went into a new class. I got parachuted into this class. You know, turn up, teach them. Make sure they're all there at the end of the day. Bye. And that was it. And so I went into the classroom. It's like, all right. And all these faces looked at me like, who are you? And I'm like, right. right." And they were just, they was, "Ah." and so I tried that. And you know what? It just worked. It obviously translates all over the UK. And I just did it. Are we listening? Yes, we are. And they all stopped and looked at me. And I thought, this is fantastic. The day went downhill from there. But that's right. That was my high point. But anyway, are we listening? Are you hearing? Are you getting this on board? Jesus said, those who have an ear to hear, let them hear. Which means there needs to be a response to Jesus. There needs to be a response to who he is. Because Jesus is very clear about who he is. We've seen it through Mark's gospel and we're going to see more and more and more of it. The Bible as a whole is very clear about who Jesus is. He is the king of his kingdom. He proclaims the kingdom of God and he's the one who's the king. He's the Lord of all. He's the savior of the mankind. He's the one who came to deal with our number one problem, die in our place for our sins, rose from death victorious and offered it by faith we can come to him and know him and have a relationship with him and be with him and have eternal life with him. And so the response is, are you listening to that and is that having an impact on your life? If you're not a Christian here, then you need to respond You need to respond. You need to say, yes, Jesus is who he said he was. I will respond to that. If you are a Christian here, you need to respond. You need to respond today, now, again, to put him in the center, to lift him up. He's the lamp. 
who should be lifted up, revealing everything. He's the center point. He's the focal point of our lives. He's not an afterthought. He's not someone I can fit in. If I'm free Sunday morning, I'll go worship him. If not, I've got better things to do. He's the one. Are you listening to that? Is he your priority? Because it is all about him. And he's the one we're responding to. And you literally have a choice today. And it's binary. One and zero. Okay, there is nothing else. So you either make a choice to respond or you don't. And the Bible's very clear about what happens when you don't. Okay, because you can reap a harvest or you can be confirmed in your stubbornness and your hardness of heart, which does not lead to a good place. It doesn't. So what are you listening to who Jesus is? Are you listening to what the word says? It says the sower sows the word. That means the word of God that is proclaimed, the word of God that you read, the word that's done each week in, week out. We preach in a sermon, you read it, we tell you to read your Bible. Are you listening to what it says? How you are to live your life, where your priorities are, how we respond in space, when we repent of sin, when we seek to forgive, when we seek to love our neighbors, when we persevere through times of tough, where we keep coming and being part of God's people and make this, this is, this is the community Jesus died that I can become a part of, therefore I should make an effort and become a part of it. Are you listening to what the God says? Are you listening about the kingdom of God and how it grows and what it's like? It is not all glitzy and glamour and grown wonderfully and everything fun. It grows through suffering. It grows through persecution. It grows through hardship. These are all the things that Jesus did. It, goes, it grows through being sent to prison and murdered because that's what happened to Jesus. So I know that's what's going to happen to us because he said what they do to me, they'll do to you. Probably not today, but at some point. And it's happening around the world to people who follow Jesus. That's how the kingdom grows. But it does grow. And it grows from the hidden, from the tiny, to the massive, to one day it will cover the earth. And every eye will see and every ear will know. And so the question for us today is, are you listening? Are you listening in a way that this is affecting your life? Where you're taking hold of it and you're actively responding. And you're like those there, it says, well, verse 10 to 12, it says, they went to Jesus and said, tell us more about this. I need to learn, I need to grow. Are you doing that? Because that's the response to the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. All right. Can the band come up? Can you guys stand up? I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship and I'll give you an opportunity to respond. Maybe you just want to close your eyes, open your hands. I pray, Holy Spirit, you come now, be with us. Just going to lay out a few things. The word, the sower has sown the word this morning. The message of Jesus Christ has been proclaimed to you. And however imperfectly I did it, the message has gone out. And so your choice now is, how am I going to respond to that? How am I going to hear that? How am I going to respond to the kingdom? How am I going to respond to following Jesus? How am I going to respond to his lifestyle? And some of you have already made a decision and it's not a good one. 
Some of you have made a decision that's a good one. And you've got an opportunity now. Change. Change your hearts because outsiders can become insiders as well as insiders becoming outsiders. We see that in Mark's gospel. So respond. I beg you now, respond in faith to what God's doing and saying, yes, God, I want to go with you. I want to follow you, whatever that means. In this moment, in the future, what it means with my family, what it means with my job, what it means with my money and my children and the life I'm going to live. I want to follow you and have you as the center. I recognize the truth of the kingdom that you are the center of it. You are the one that we look to. You are the one that we should lift up. And through that comes great reward, not in an earthly, worldly sense. It's not like winning the Powerball, but you have an eternal reward that we reap before God. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray today that we would be men and women who listen to you and hear you. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. Give us ears to respond to your message. Give us ears to to put our faith and trust in you and walk with you. Some of you, there'll be particular things now that God's dropping into you that you'll actually you're being reminded of. Actually, I need to trust and that, or some things I think I need to stop that and replace it with that, so I can respond to what God is saying today. And I just want you now just to make that commitment to God and say, God, I hear you. I hear you, I trust you, I respond to you, whatever it is. Make that a thing now, just say, yes, Lord. Lord God, I thank you for your word, I thank you for your kingdom, I thank you that we can experience it and be part of it. I thank you that you have spoken to us today, Lord God, and we want to be men, women who respond in faith to what you're doing. God's people said, yes.